for Christmas, the end of last year, my younger brother gave me a copy of one of those spoof newspapers by that Australian comedy group, The Chaser. And when I opened up the magazine, which was like a like a glossy magazine newspaper style thing, I came across a photograph of a, a young man sitting outside in a patch of long grass with the sun shining on his face and the wind ruffling through his shirt. And the picture had this headline. Weirdo without social media wastes another day living blissfully in the moment. And I thought, isn't that just what we've been doing for this entire big summer sit? Being complete weirdos with each other, living blissfully in the moment. Blissfully in this moment that never repeats, that is never the same twice. In fact, the bliss that we can experience in Zazen, in this, in this sitting, this agreement to just sit, to just be, the bliss we experience here is very, very interesting. It's not the kind of bliss or utopian happiness that we keep reading about in self-help books. It's far more penetrating and deep-seated, I would say, than that. But how? How is it that we can actually call this living blissfully in the moment, far away from the grip of social media and relentless and endless distraction, which is always on offer? We know how available distraction is in our life. In fact, we're almost being corralled into a living a life of pure distraction. How do we step free or step through that into something far more sane, where the sun actually can touch our face, where our face can touch the sun? Or perhaps where the wind can finally find us reach us, play with us, pick us up, blow us around, turn us in the direction of our true selves. How do we do this? Well, I know that at the very outset of the Big Summer Sit, Deborah introduced the Metta Sutta, the Buddha's words on loving kindness. And of course, these are a brilliant kind of manual, almost the best possible magazine, <laughs> the best possible article for realising what and who and how this is. This metta sutta, these words on loving kindness. When we take these to heart, we touch the heart-mind. When we listen to them with our heart-mind, we hear ourselves, hear our true selves. And there's a story that this article in The Chaser reminded me of. One of the 
perhaps apocryphal stories of the birth of the Metta Sutta, but a great story nevertheless. I think of the way Bob Dylan used to describe some of his songs. He'd say, these are totally true, perhaps. <laughs> so this story about the origins of the Metta Sutta is totally true, perhaps. And I think this perhaps relies entirely on our orientation towards this story. Can we make it true? Can we realize its truth? So the story goes like this, where in the time of the Buddha, and the rainy season is coming, the rainy season which is really the big summer sit, the season where it's impossible to keep practicing in the usual arms round kind of ways. It's put upon us to find a dedicated place of practice and remain there. So the Buddha was teaching and his monks or a collection of these monks were curious about where to sit, what to do, how to make the most of this big summer sit. And so they asked the Buddha for some advice and the Buddha gave them some healthy teachings to take away with them and then said, now go, go and find your place of practice. And I'll be very interested to hear how things go for you there when we meet again after the big summer sit. So off they go, these monks, and they happen to head north, quite a long way north, actually, from where the Buddha had been teaching, right up into the foothills of the Himalayas, where they chance upon beautiful, small or not too big, undisturbed forest right next door to a very charming, very welcoming kind of village. And so the monks think, oh, this looks pretty good. And so they set up camp here in this forest. And the next morning when they get up to do their arms round, to go begging in the village, they find that the villagers are actually very welcoming too. The villagers actually really quite like the idea that these monks might stay for the summer. The villagers encourage them and say, here, we'll provide for you. We'll look after you. Please make your home here. Make your home here with us, which the monks do. And for a good two or three days, it just feels wonderful. Everything's going swimmingly. The forest is cool and shady. The villagers are delighted to see them every morning. What could go wrong? Well, it's after these first two or three days, first two or three nights, that at first just one or two of the monks start seeing visions at night and hearing strange, threatening, shrill noises coming from seemingly nowhere in the trees, right out of the darkness. And of course, because it begins with just a few of the monks, they keep it to themselves and just keep practicing, thinking, of course, this will just pass, this will pass through, pass through. 
But more and more of the monks start hearing these strange, shrill, scary, threatening sounds and seeing weird visions, weird, almost paranoid visions in the forest itself. And where they were before, going to the village with great smiles on their faces and in a spirit of joy, there were now frowns and very tired faces because these monks hadn't slept through the night. They'd been so terrified of all these things going on. And they recognized that it wasn't just one of them experiencing this, it was all of them. But still, it took one of the older monks, one of the older, more experienced monks, to finally break this silence and say, I've been seeing these strange things and hearing these strange sounds, and I'm terrified, and I don't think we can keep practicing here. Something is wrong. Something is profoundly wrong. And all the other monks just nodded in fierce agreement. Yes, this has just been very odd. We've got to get out of here. And so the older monk said, why don't we go and visit the Buddha? Go back down south and ask him what to do. Everybody thought this was a great idea. So that's what they did, leaving behind these villages and this beautiful forest to go and seek counsel, to go and seek advice about what to do. And when they returned to the Buddha, of course, he was surprised to see them and said, what? What brings you here? And they told him the story. And we're told actually in the commentary that these strange noises and odd sounds and weird visions were in fact the earth spirits of the forest. They were the earth spirits who initially were very happy to have these monks come and stay. In fact, they were very pleased that such respectable human beings would take their place on their ground, on their shared ground. But when these earth spirits realized that these monks had no intention of leaving, they got a little bit edgy. I'm reminded of that expression, visitors and fish last about three days. <laughs> we all know what it's like to have visitors appear for a time and perhaps begin to outstay their welcome a little bit. How long are you going to stay? We sometimes find ourselves asking of visitors. Are you intending to stay for the entire summer? Is that really what's going on here? Well, the Buddha, of course, listened to these monks and their story. And then using his Buddha powers of insight and foresight, almost scanned the entirety of India and the world, looking for the perfect place for these monks to practice. And of course, he scoured every single inch and millimeter of the globe. And once he'd done so, he opened his eyes again to the monks and said, I found it. I found the very perfect place for you to practice. And they said, where? Where is it? Where is it? And of course, he said, it's the forest where you've just come from, next to the village. 
this is the perfect place for you to practice. And the monks looked at him with probably <laughs> profound disappointment and fear and perhaps surprise until the Buddha said, don't worry, I have a sutta for you to take back, a sutta for you to chant and memorize and take to heart on your way back and then to realize in the company of these earth spirits. And of course, it was the Metta Sutta, the one that begins, this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. This is a Sutta that the monks were invited to see was not a Sutta about achieving some kind of personal salvation, but a Sutta about regaining one's place in the company of all the wild and mysterious beings that there are on this earth. And I found myself particularly interested in much of the early Buddhism, not just Mahayana Buddhism, but, but Hinayana or Theravadan Buddhism too, this early Buddhism that was unafraid, actually, of acknowledging and sitting down with these earth spirits. Even perhaps the greatest of the Mahayana sutras, the Avatamsaka Sutra, there's a great bow to these earth spirits. The sutra itself is so huge and vast, I couldn't even begin to scratch the surface, but in it, there's an acknowledgement of earth spirits and mountain spirits and forest spirits and herb spirits, river spirits, water spirits, fire spirits, wind spirits, night spirits, day spirits, city spirits, thunderbolt-bearing spirits, multiple body spirits, footstep-following spirits, sanctuary spirits, and it goes on and on and on and on. To which we could add perhaps kangaroo spirits, kidna spirits, chewin spirits, black snake spirits, wattle spirits, hakia spirits, snapped twig spirits, quartz spirits, granite spirits, all the many spirits with which we share this astonishing place. So even early Buddhism was unafraid to acknowledge the many beings. So why should we be afraid to not just acknowledge the many beings, but practice with the many beings, with the deep compassion that lies at the heart of this Metta Sutta. Remember that these are the Buddha's words of loving kindness that reach everywhere to the great and the mighty, medium, short or small. No one is left out of this. And when we open ourselves up in just this kind of way, then who is not welcome here? 
in this place with us. We sit in a great forest. And perhaps the entirety of the Metta Sutta can be reduced or enlarged to you are welcome here. Now, who is this you? Of course, it's an invitation to see your own place in the forest. You are welcome here in this forest. But likewise, it's an invitation to welcome all of those that you meet. Even the scary, perhaps threatening sights and sounds and visions that are part and parcel of any genuine forest practice. You are welcome here too. So this great koan of you are welcome here, can you feel the quality of compassion, compassion that is offered, realized in these words? This welcome, this welcome really is a description of groundedness and place. To be welcome, to be here. As Dogen Zenji said, when you know the place where you are, practice begins. When you can feel welcome in the place where you are, when you can welcome those that are with you in the place where you are, practice begins. And this you, this you, which at first can look distancing, becomes the most intimate experience of all. No other. No me versus you, just a me and you. You are welcome here. So this is the bliss, this strange bliss that we can encounter when we are weird enough to live in this moment just as that lovely man did when sitting in the field without the distraction of his social media. Zazen is a profoundly unmediated place. So I'll be very interested to hear how this place has been for you over the summer. That's what I'd like to now open up. Just after a little bit more sitting, we can open this up just to hear from each other about what we've encountered, medium, short or small, familiar or strange. And perhaps I'll just leave you with a couple of questions to consider before we do open this up. And these include, what has it been like for you to accept your place of practice, even just for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day? perhaps timeless minutes a day. What's that been like to accept your place of practice? And what sort of beings have you met? What kind of earth spirits have you met in your place of practice? 
And even more interestingly, how have you learned to live with them? Have you been able to reach across the divide between self and other and welcome them here? Welcome them to this place. And what is the true nature of bliss in a world as torn as ours is? In this world that we know through this very summer has been riven by greed, hatred and ignorance, by great sorrow, great pain, great damage, great violence, great distress in this world. Remember, this forest has no edges. It extends right into the village, right into the city, right to the very depths of the ocean and right to the outer limits of the universe itself. We're sitting in a great forest. So what is the true nature of experiencing bliss in such a place that has so much going on, so much that is difficult to accept? Let's look at all this, but first we'll settle back into the silence, just to savour a little bit more of this forest ambience at which we are lucky enough to be Party. So I'll ring the bell in three or four minutes. <laughs> 